Good evening. This is Justin Ford for From the Frontline. Tonight we are dealing with entertainment, enjoyment or exploitation. In the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, who has been involved in serving persecuted Christians for over 40 years in 38 countries. Dr. Hammond, why is so much of modern entertainment so dull, degenerate and disgusting? Well, it seems that so much of what's going on in modern entertainment is pushing some agenda, some political agenda, some work agenda, and people are frankly sick to death of rehashes of old faithful films that people thoroughly enjoyed and where suddenly you've got to have a woke Snow White and you can't have the Seven Dwarves and there are all kinds of nonsense that they're trying out. And honestly, people are, are fed up with the unimaginative you know, just race swapping, gender swapping, and all kinds of things to push a woke agenda. And uh, people want to go for entertainment. They don't want to be exploited, preached to, and beaten over the head. So uh, it seems that a lot of what's going on in modern entertainment today is um, cultural degeneration. And there's an attempt to vilify so much of what we stand for. And I think people have gotten sick of it because so often it's small towns are bad and evil and uh, ministers are evil and fathers are particularly evil and there's, you know, Christianity is bad, but governments, um, social welfare workers are always uh, completely unselfish, wonderful people and, you know, the UN is going to save the world and there's the climate change agenda, there's LGBTQ, there's transgender movement. People are getting sick and tired of all this woke garbage being thrown at them from so many sides and shoved down our throat. So, yes, a lot of it is dull, a lot of it is degenerate, and much of it is absolutely vile and disgusting. We don't talk like Hollywood stars do. The average person doesn't swear all the time, and the mentality of these folks, I mean, you can just think of uh, my mother's a nurse, and she said she never saw anyone going into theatre for an operation without prayer, without calling for the chaplain, without prayer and so on. And yet in Hollywood movies, people will go into major surgeries without uh, any thought of God, without any mention of God, without any prayer, without any chaplain present. Well, that doesn't exactly happen. Similarly, in war films, I mean, you can say there's a lot of military veterans that we know who'd say you'd never get that kind of behavior amongst military professionals. Uh, Colonel Oliver North said he spent two years in uh, Vietnam leading the Marines, and he said he heard more foul language in two hours of watching the film Platoon than he did in two years of working with the Marines in Vietnam. And that professional soldiers can't communicate professionally and efficiently um, uh, with precision if you've got to throw swear words all over the place. And the way that soldiers talk in movies is not the way they really talk in reality. And I've heard that from quite a few professional military people as well. There's a lot of things you can say about Hollywood that's not realistic, uh, but why has it got to be continually so disgusting, so vile, so profane, so vulgar, so coarse? And it seems that Hollywood is on an agenda to undermine us. Mm. So you think there actually is an agenda behind the incessant anti-Christian prejudice evident in so much of that comes out of Hollywood? Yes, actually, this is pretty much proven. So um, I don't know how many people have heard the name Antonio Gramsci. Antonio Gramsci was the founder and leader of the Italian Communist Party. He ended his years in prison in uh, Italy under Mussolini. But uh, Antonio Gramsci was part of the Frankfurt School. When uh, Vladimir Lenin needed his best minds to work out what's going wrong, why are we not able to export the Bolshevik Revolution to the rest of Europe? 
Uh, he called on people like Antonio Gramsci, Professor Marcuse and others who formed the Frankfurt School of Marxism to work out why is it that what worked in the Soviet Union and Russia is not working in the rest of Europe or North America. And they came to this conclusion, especially Antonio Gramsci, who advocated what he called cultural Marxism, that economic Marxism, the bourgeois and the proletariat, that's not going to work in the rest of Europe. And the conclusion they came to is Europe and North America is too Christian. To defeat Europe and to get them ready to accept Marxism, we need to destroy Christianity. And this is going to take a couple of generations. And Gramsci said what we need to do is turn the Christian mind into a non-Christian mind and then into an anti-Christian mind. We need to stop people thinking about every problem in relation to what God has said in the Bible and what the commands of Christ are, the teachings or example of Christ. We've got to get, uh, it'll take two generations at least to get the Christian mindset of Europe into a non-Christian mindset and then into an anti-Christian mindset. And to, to conquer the West, we need to destroy Christianity. To destroy Christianity, we need to attack the intact uh, family. Because the Christian family where the father is the producer, the provider, the protector, the leader, and the mother is the life giver, the nurturer, and she's a full-time homemaker, uh, that's got to die. We've got to get rid of the Christian family. So to destroy the West, you've got to destroy Christianity. To destroy Christianity, you must destroy the family. To destroy the family, you especially need to destroy the father, especially the authority of the father. And there were several things that came after that you need to do. The one thing was to increase taxes so much that would force the mothers to get out of the home and into the workplace. That every home would need a two salary income in order to survive. And so by massively increasing taxes, the goal was to push women out of the home and into the workplace. And this would have a multiplicity of good things. One thing is now the mother's not raising the children, the state can raise the children. State daycare, welfare and so on. And uh, also through education institution, what he said, uh, we need to get an illiteracy cartel, that we must turn education into indoctrination, where instead of empowering the people, we actually are indoctrinating and brainwashing them. Instead of education, which is about how to think critically, we must have indoctrination of telling people what to think. And so working through education and entertainment, they try to popularize the idea that the mother must get out into the workplace and the mother must get into the factory. We can't have mothers at home. And then, of course, the state will raise the children. And this is going to accelerate um, bringing about a non-Christian mindset through education. Uh, John Dewey and so on particularly worked on that. Um, the arts and, the, and entertainment played a key role in popularizing this idea and also vilifying males. Particularly, you know, dads are dopey, men are stupid, um, children are more intelligent than their parents and uh, small towns are evil and the whole agenda to over and over and over promote the state as the savior and of course vilifying the church scandals with pastors things like this anything like that helps but when you get the woman into the workplace you'll have less children being born so just think of the fact that well back in the days of of uh, president paul kruger his wife had 17 children and the average in South Africa, of uh, an average woman in South Africa back in 1900, before the Anglo-Boer War, was having about 12 children. And you can think your great-grandmother might have had eight children and your grandmother had maybe five or four children and your mother maybe had two or three and uh, uh, you have none and uh, adopt some uh, foreigner or a dog. And so uh, this is part of the way of, of getting the uh, Christian population of Europe and America to go extinct. Obviously, wars help. 
Um, for example, before the First World War, 64% of Europe wasn't church every Sunday on average, 64%. Before the Second World War, 40% of Europe wasn't church every Sunday. After the Second World War, it sank to 5%, and England 4%. Uh, so uh, church attendance plummeted because of the world wars, but also uh, the productivity uh, and the uh, fertility of West has gone down. So right now, you need 2.2 children per family in order to keep pace with natural death toll and so on. So um, right now, Europe is down to 1.6 and 1.4 and 1.2 children per family. This means not replacement value. The only reason why some countries don't seem to be in decline totally is because of massive amounts of foreign immigrants coming in who actually aren't helping the country economically because most are living on welfare and they're not necessarily contributing to taxes or productivity of the country. So this is part of the goal of the cultural Marxists. We're destroying the West by destroying Christianity, by destroying the family, by uh, destroying the father and the authority of the father and getting mothers out out into the workplace, and of course bring down the population. Now you bring down the population not only by wars, millions died in the First and Second World War, uh, but by heavy taxation to force the mother to go and work so that there's less children being born. But then also abortion, sterilization, uh, all kinds of population control methods, uh, contraception, but abortion particularly is very helpful. Bring down the population of the Christian population and then import vast amounts of non-Christian population are easier to manipulate and to use and to get votes from that'll advance your agenda for Marxism. So the Hollywood industry is part of this because what they said is we've got to celebrate ugliness and promote meaninglessness. You can't have, when you look at Christian art and you just think of like great Christian music like Handel's Messiah or uh, what Bach produced or Mozart, no, that's not acceptable, uh, and the art which celebrated beauty. Now we're going to celebrate ugliness and meaninglessness and, and distortion, and um, music must also have that kind of pounding beat which doesn't have beautiful melody, and what they're trying to do is go against everything Christian and promote that which is going to give people a sense of hopelessness, meaninglessness, pessimism. And I think they've succeeded in that. This is not a theory. This is the published agenda of people like Herbert Marcuse um, and Antonio Gramsci. Antonio Gramsci said, uh, we need to be cultural termites. Now, he identified five culture-carrying, culture-transforming institutions in society that communists have to infiltrate. Education, entertainment, news media, religious institutions, political institutions. And of these, the most important is education and entertainment, because that affects everything and everyone. And education is going to be more indoctrination, turning out illiterate, people who can't think properly, but who will obey instructions, and entertainment to get uh, people away from the Christian mindset and Christian ethos. Antonio Gramsci spoke about cultural terrorism and to create cultural hegemony uh, where we will have cultural Marxism. So, okay, economic and political Marxism, which one Russia through the Bolshevik Revolution is not going to work in Western Europe or North America or South Africa for that matter or Canada or New Zealand or Australia. What we need to do in the Christian nations is destroy Christianity and we'll do this primarily through entertainment but also through uh, education. And Marxists moved into Hollywood. The Communist Party made 
Hollywood a primary target for infiltration back in the 1920s, really. Vladimir Malinin identified the cinemas as critical. He said, the cinemas will become our new churches. They're going to be the alternatives. What The classroom and the cinema are the two C's for communism to seize control over the West. Through the cinema and through the classroom, we will transform society. And amongst it, Herbert Marcuse recommended using foul language, profanity, obscenity, uh, vulgarity in plays and writing, and later even, in, of course, in cinemas, uh, to use foul language and obscenities and profanity like cultural bombs, verbal grenades to throw against the bourgeois. And he recommended that they will use um, every kind of sexual depravity in order to break down Christian morals in the public sphere. And this is all part of being cultural termites. So Antonio Gramsci said we need to be termites marching through the cultural institutions of the West like a wooden building held up by beams and pillars you can put as many coats of paint as you like on the outside, but if the termites are eating the heart out of each of the cross beams and the pillars, ultimately the whole structure is going to collapse. And so he saw cultural warriors and social engineers needing to go into society, infiltrate education, entertainment, and particularly Hollywood, use it in order to bring about a pessimistic, anti-Christian worldview, undermine the father, undermine the traditional intact family, and promote anything that's going to bring down Western Christian civilization. You know, whether it's promoting fornication, adultery, uh, promoting uh, perversion, pornography, LGBTQ, anything like that, transgenderism, all these things are helping and trying to popularize taking the Lord's name in vain, popularize and mainstream foul language and profanity and vulgarity. All of these things they discussed in the Frankfurt School of Cultural Marxism, which Antonio Gramsci was a key player and Herbert Marcuse of Sorbonne University was also a major proponent. Interestingly, when the National Socialists took over Germany, the Frankfurt School fled because they knew you know, they were about to get imprisoned if they stayed there any longer. And most of them moved to America. Some moved to Hollywood. Some moved to Columbia University. Some moved to Princeton. Others moved to Chicago University. And basically, the Frankfurt School of, of Marxism went into the heart of America and created a whole new generation of people and through their films started to begin the de-Christianization and secularization of America, which didn't stop in America because America's biggest export is the degenerate entertainment from Hollywood. So that went all over the world. And so this, there is an agenda, and this isn't a theory. This is well documented. This is exactly what uh, people like um, uh, Luca, George Lucas, uh, not to be confused with, with the one who did Star Wars, but we're talking about the one who died in 1971, but going way back, George Lucas was one of Lenin's uh, communist uh, culture warriors, one of the Frankfurt School of Warriors types. And uh, they had tried Marxist revolutions in Bavaria, Berlin, and Hungary and failed, and they were thrown out each time. And George Lucas came from Hungary. And when the parents in Hungary rose up in revolt against what these Marxists were trying to do in this classroom, uh, he saw the need to um, start more gradually in the West in trying to undermine the Christian values first because you've got to destroy Christianity before you can really introduce Marxism. So yes, the agenda behind the incessantly anti-Christian prejudice in Hollywood is a real agenda. It's a communist agenda. The revolutionaries are trying to get a degenerate population dependent on decadent and defiling type of entertainment. Mm. And this... This is uh, what they call essentiality cartel. 
to get the people continually drawn in by pushing the envelope of what's considered acceptable. So they've got a pornographic goal, they've got a blasphemous and profane goal of vulgarizing society, celebrating ugliness, and uh, breaking every law that Christianity stands for to soften up the population so that they'll be more open to the saviour state to come in and save them, preferably from Christianity, it would seem. So so the overwhelming immorality and violence in movies is is primarily to uh, drive this agenda. Yes, I mean, basically these are culture warriors and social engineers, and what they're hoping to accomplish by this is to create a non-Christian population, a secularized population that is open to the savior state, open to globalism, to collectivism, to the individual doesn't matter, uh, the group must work, and so the Groupthink. You've all got to accept what everyone agrees, and all right-thinking individuals agree, and all scientists agree, and uh, follow the science, and trust the doctors, and build back better, and all that sort of thing. Break down everything, and especially break down everything Christian. That's what cancel culture does. And in its place, they're going to build their Marxist globalist state. And if you want an idea of the way it should look in the future, I mean, just think of the Hunger Games, think of Pan Am, think of where you've got. Uh, a state, you've got peacekeepers and they're forcing everyone, you've all been digitally advanced and you've got to obey. So George Orwell warned us in 1984 um, about the danger of a state where you've got um, thought police and thought crimes and you're going to have to follow the state. They've got a ministry of love that deals with torture. Uh, They've got a ministry of plenty that deals with rationing and making sure people are starving got a ministry of peace that deals with war, and they've got a ministry of truth who deals in propaganda and lies. And so George Orwell's 1904 warned us about this globalist state which is going to be in a surveillance society controlling everything and forcing people to conform. The sort of thing that I think uh, Justin Trudeau is trying to uh, succeed with in Canada, where even to go on social media you need to be registered and you need state permission and you can't be news media unless you're registered with the state and approved by the state where the government chooses what is true and what is not and they're the arbiters of what is uh, true and what is fake and so yes that's part of what they're trying to accomplish Is the film industry transforming society rather than reflecting reality? They certainly are so I mean just think for example what's one of the most popular films in British history? The most successful film franchise in British history is the 007 James Bond films. Well, interestingly enough, I went to the Imperial War Museum in London back in uh, 2014, and uh, just for the 100th anniversary of the First World War breaking out, I was giving lectures at that time. And so I went to the Imperial War Museum and had a magnificent exhibit on the First World War on the first floor, which was well worth going to. But what was interesting is on the second floor, they had an exhibit to the British Secret Service. And... uh, Looking through the British Secret Service, it was intriguing to notice the real enemies of the realm and uh, what uh, Britain has had to deal with from the Secret Service because that's not in any way reflected with James Bond because who are the villains in the James Bond movies? No James Bond movie has ever acknowledged the real enemies of the realm because when I looked at the British Imperial War Museum, Secret Service was dealing with what? Um, KGB infiltrators, that some of the main leaders in the British... Secret Service were KGB infiltrators like Kim Philby, Guy Burgess, Harry Hutton, John Gaincross, George Blake, Donald McLean, 
Jeffrey Prum, Anthony Blunt, Sir Roger Hollis, all of these were Soviet KGB agents running right up to the level of M. So the man who was in the James Bond films giving James Bond his instructions from 1945 to 1968 was actually Sir Roger Hollis, who was actually a KGB agent. He was the fifth man, the Cambridge Five. And uh, then you've got British physicist Dr. Alan Nunn-May, who was arrested in 1946 for betraying British nuclear bomb technology to the Soviets. And Klaus Fuchs was another British scientist found to have betrayed atomic secrets to the Soviets. No James Bond film has ever dealt with that. Um, the Irish Republican Army targeted members of the royal family and the government. They murdered the Queen's cousin, Lord Mountbatten, 1979, in a bomb blast. They bombed the Conservative Party caucus in Brighton, narrowly missing Prime Minister Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher missed uh, being killed there by just seconds by walking to the bathroom, seconds before the bomb went off that took out where her bed was. The RA bombed the Old Bailey Courthouse, um, London Stock Exchange, the Household Cavalry in Hyde Park. The RA attacked in Gibraltar, 1988. But not one of the many 007 films have ever tackled the IRA terrorist threat, ever. And the 1982 Falklands War with Argentina over the invasion of the Falkland Isles never was the theme of any James Bond film either. And despite Muslim jihadists targeting commuters in London in the coordinated 7-7 bombing attacks and other outrages, there's not a single James Bond film that's recognised Islamic jihadists as a threat to the realm worthy of the attention of MI6. So who... Why would that be? I mean, why is it that they've got all these fictional villains which bear no resemblance to reality? You know, in Doctor No, the villain's a rogue scientist. In From Russia to Love, the villain is, a K- is Rosa Klebb, a rogue KGB agent who's no longer uh, loyal to the Soviets but to Spectre, a fictional organization. In Goldfinger, uh, a businessman is the villain. In Thunderball, uh, it's Spectre again, Ernst Blofeld uh, and Emilio Lago of this fictional crime syndicate. You only live twice, uh, spectres again the criminals. In Your Majesty's Service, it's again an eccentric villain, uh, Blofeld. Diamonds are forever, fictitious spectre again. Live and let die, a Caribbean drug lord. Um, well, that's about something that's vaguely possible. The Man with the Golden Gun, Scaramanga, an assassin. Uh, the Spy Loved Me, Carl Stromberg, a v- businessman. And the KGB are allies of 007 in getting this uh, capitalist who's the real um, villain. In Moonraker, it's another businessman who's the villain. And uh, for years only, it's As- Aris um, Christosis, a smuggler, and a thief is the villain. And the KGB make a showing, but more as competitors, not the real enemy. In Octopussy, it's an Indian businessman and uh, a rogue Russian general, Orlov, who's um, the villain's. In the Living Daylights, it's a rogue KGB agent. Again, the Soviets aren't the, aren't the uh, villains. And even the Muslim Mujahideen are heroes and allies. In License to Kill, it's a Panamanian drug lord, which is more feasible. Golden Eye, it's some rogue Russian agent. It's never the Soviet state that's the enemy. It's always some rogue. Tomorrow Never Dies, it's a media mogul. So a newspaperman is a real threat. The World Is Not Enough, it's a businesswoman. It's a villain. Die Another Day, it's a North Korean um, colonel who's a villain, uh, but not the North Korean government. Um, and it's a double agent from MI6, Miranda Frost, they're the villains. Casino Royal, it's a sinister Mr. White, and so you can carry on. A rogue agent in Skyfall. So according to British filmmakers, the real enemies of the realm are not the IRA, not Muslim jihadists, not even the KGB. And uh, they have 
capitalists, journalists, and businessmen, and the fictitious specter as the real enemies. So it's hard to avoid the conclusion filmmakers are afraid to alienate any potential audience. They shy away from the real enemies of the realm, like the IRA, so as not to offend the sensibilities of Roman Catholic sympathizers of the IRA and Muslim jihadists. They don't want to upset potential Muslim investors and audience members. So you just look at how unrealistic are the James Bond films, which is Britain's biggest film export. And Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put light for darkness and darkness for light, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And this is it. It's hypocrisy and it's cowardice to never tackle the real enemies or the real issues. And so Hollywood is definitely not reflecting society. They're more like transforming society and trying to promote their LGBTQ, transgender, humanistic kind of um, agenda and, of course, socialism. Most of all, anti-Christian, anti-family, anti-father kind of agenda. Hmm. Um, you really touched on it, but is there any more you would like to say about how the Marxist agenda is being advanced by modern Hollywood? Yes, I think what we're seeing is what Aldrich Huxley predicted in his Brave New World. Now, Aldrich Huxley was a contemporary of George Orwell, but while George Orwell saw Big Brother having um, tremendous power to interfere, what Aldous Huxley feared was that there wouldn't be the need to ban books like Orwell feared, but that they would distract people in a very um, uh, technologically advanced society uh, where people would be stimulated endlessly by meaningless entertainment and uh, subdued by drugs. So Aldous Huxley's view of the world would be uh, people would become a captive culture and a trivial culture preoccupied with uh, feelies and the orgy-porgy and the bubble puppy and all that kind of uh, warning us about the fact that you'll have man's infinite appetite for distractions and that brave new world, they will um, control people by inflicting pleasure, whereas Orwell feared that um, hate would ruin us, uh, Huxley feared that love will ruin us, and that uh, it's not going to be inflicting pain as much as inflicting pleasure and distracting people. Drugs, surveillance society and endless stimulation, of course, provided by TV sets and so on. So Aldous Huxley's Brave New World is actually also showing us that the Marxist agenda of cultural Marxism is being advanced by modern Hollywood by uh, continually ignoring Christian reality and Christian morals. Just think how in the average movies today, um, the heroine, she doesn't get pregnant, the hero doesn't get syphilis or um, AIDS or any of the 60-odd different sexually transmitted diseases. And the hero always seems to win when he gambles, like James Bond always wins in gambling. You've got a five times more chance of being struck by lightning than winning the lottery. But somehow or another, uh, heroes in the films can win at gambling over and over. I mean, try it yourself and you'll find you'll lose over and over and over. The house always wins. The odds are against you. But uh, there's this endless pushing with its gambling, pornography, prostitution, uh, Sabbath desecration, taking the Lord's name in vain, swearing, socialism, globalism, uh, the state, climate change, whatever they're trying to push. Um, now they're trying to push the whole idea that you need uh, space agencies to protect us from asteroids and aliens and whatever else. So forget about the real threats on Earth. Let's distract people with... Um, now it's flying saucers and UFOs is a big thing in the mainstream media uh, or asteroids hitting the planet. So it's not, the real threat's not coming from within or here on Earth. 
It's now outside. I mean, that's the ultimate distraction. And I think Marxist genders continually, you know, there's no purpose or meaningfulness in life. You came from nothing. You're going nowhere. Life is meaningless. They're undercutting creation. Forget about creation. It's all billions of years and evolution and chance and and pessimism because if you came from nothing and you're going nowhere, life is meaningless and there's no hope. There's no purpose. There's no day of judgment. There's no sovereign, eternal God who's going to make everything right. You've got to trust in the state. The state will save you. And uh, you've got to trust in the super state, the UN, and some globalist entity ultimately. And yes, so the Marxist agenda is being advanced continually by modern Hollywood. They're trying to undermine Christian morals and they're trying to advance a globalist totalitarian agenda. Although, thankfully, there are, there are some resistance and there are a few alternatives in Hollywood who are giving the other side, but they get heavily persecuted like, you know, the Mel Gibsons and so on of this world. When they break ranks, they, they get um, pretty much sidelined. They can't expect an Academy Award for the Passion of the Christ or Apocalypse or something like that. Um, how should we as Christians respond to the degenerate and filing diatribe of Hollywood? Well, we've got to clean the screen. We've got to um, redeem the media. We must know before we go. It's so important for us to choose wisely. We mustn't waste our time, our money, or our affections and interest in uh, supporting whatever diatribe uh, Hollywood is trying to push out to us. And so it's important that we recognize that immoral, violent, occultic, and pagan films and videos are actually a serious threat to the development of our children and of ourselves. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Ephesians 5.11 We should read up on the biblical issues and know our actual history so that we can recognize deception in the media. And, uh, for example, whenever I see a historical film, I pull out mystery books and try and read what actually the facts were. And just recently, I went to the cinema for only the third time in three years. Since 2020, I've only been to cinema three times, and once was for the very good uh, Sound of Freedom film. But more recently, it was for Napoleon, which I was very disappointed about. Because Napoleon is a great man and a great general and a very important historic figure. Well, I think that this was an anti-Napoleon film, an anti-French film. The French, I think, hated it. Uh, and you can see that from the fact that while Napoleon got a lot of people turning out in Paris for the first day, in the first week, um, by the second week, attendance plummeted. And obviously, there was word of mouth and people were hearing it's a shocking film. And so the French started to boycott the film. And... Uh, you know, first of all, Napoleon was very young most of his life. In the movie, they've got someone who's much, much older than him playing the role. And the other thing is that the lady, Vanessa Kirby, who plays um, the uh, Empress uh, Josephine, um, she is 14 years younger than the actor who's playing uh, Napoleon, and yet, uh, Joachim Phoenix, but yet um, the real... Uh, Empress Josephine, she was um, six or more years older than Napoleon. So this whole dynamic is is not there anymore. Um, but far more serious than that, uh, the film is, is almost pornographic in so many ways. Like, it revels in the beheading of Queen Mary Antoinette, not flinching from a single detail, going right up to the lifting of the head with the gore and blood falling out of it after guillotining. Absolutely disgusting. That's not necessary. And um, then after Cannonball hits um, uh, Napoleon's horse in one of the battles, he uh, puts his hand into the wounded horse and pulls the cannonball out and says, send this to my mother. 
he didn't have that kind of relationship with his mother. It's grotesque. It's disgusting. It looks like cruelty to animals. It's not the sort of thing that's even historical. Why they've got to put things like that in. In fact, the film is more about a lust story. Forget about a love story. A lust story between Napoleon and Josephine. I'm sure the French hate this film. And it's actually anti-historical. There's so much historical inaccuracies in it. Right down to Napoleon um, shooting cannons at the pyramids in Egypt, which never happened. And uh, there were some Muslim radicals who shot uh, cannonballs at the Sphinx, but nobody ever did cannonballs at the actual pyramids. And uh, in fact, Napoleon was very concerned for learning a lot of history. And he, in fact, founded much of Egyptology and brought back so much from Egypt. He took 130 different uh, scholars and scientists and uh, geologists into Egypt. And uh, to give this kind of attitude that he was uh, trying to blow up and destroy national monuments and so on, uh, absolutely pathetic. So there's a lot of garbage out there. We need to know a history so that we can recognize when we're being lied to, which is most history. Uh, on our Frontline Mission SA.org website, I've got a whole lot of film reviews, mostly of historic films, showing how they weren't historical or were. And uh, people can look at some of the film reviews I've done on different films over the years because there's so much ahistoric garbage out there, like Mandela Long Walk to Freedom, for example. I did quite an expose on that film. And uh, films that purported to be on Oliver Cromwell and so on. So how do we respond? I think it's so important to be informed. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So we should read up to understand. And there's people like Dr. Ted Bear, missionary to Hollywood, who's written books like um, The Media Wise Family. And uh, there are good documentary films that have been produced like Hollywood versus Religion, Learn to Discern and Hell's Bells, which help us to be more selective in understanding the deceptions and dangers in so many modern films. The scripture tells us to teach God's people the difference between the holy and the common, to show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, Ezekiel 44 verse 23. Most important, we need to be selective in our viewing choices, take control over what's filling and forming our children's minds and our own, and rediscover the joy of reading good books. The books are always better than the films, even the good films, uh, the books often very much better. So relegating films and videos to a subordinate position below exercise and hiking and worship and fellowship and evangelism and service, and especially below reading, is important. We should refuse to waste our time or our money on immoral, anti-Christian films, but choose to support good quality family films and you know films that honor God, like Ben-Hur and the Ten Commands and The Robe. And uh, there are some great films in history where they may not be perfect, but they seek to honor God and are truly excellent entertainment. We need to pray for wisdom and set proper priorities. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12. Yeah, it's um, quite ironic that Napoleon would be depicted as attacking monuments, whereas the same forces that are uh, promoting destruction of monuments are probably driving this, these kind of modern Marxist films. Yes, indeed. You see, the most important thing to the Marxists is to destroy a person's history. Mm. Karl Marx said the first battlefield is a rewriting of history. And I think to try and destroy people's history is so important. It's the easiest way to capture 
people is to destroy their understanding of where they came from and to take down our heroes so that they can lift up their own Marxist heroes. And so anybody who's been exemplary in the Christian world needs to be destroyed and their monuments need to be taken down. That's basically the Marxist agenda of uh, Antonio Gramsci. Hmm. Where can we learn more about how to clean the screen and redeem the media? Well, there's an excellent um, ministry in Hollywood run by Dr. Ted Bear, a good friend of ours, and he runs Movie Guide. Uh, Movie Guide uh, website is superb. You go onto Movie Guide, and it's movieguide.org. They've got phenomenal reviews. They've got reviews looking at the worldviews, the positive and negative content in every film and what the basic message is. So I think the thing is to know before you go. When my children wanted to see a film, I'd encourage them, have you checked out Movie Guide? What does Ted Bear say about it? Now, check out the film first to know, is this worth going to or not? And uh, we saved ourselves a lot of time and money. So every time you purchase a cinema ticket or rent or buy a DVD, you're costing a vote. So we should only invest in family-friendly, God-honoring films. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because days are evil. Um, yeah, and there's also quite a sinister development in the form of Netflix, which could somehow undermine the <laughs> things like Ted Bear. And yes, well, I, I think that there's so much negative out there. But on the positive side, there are groups like the Kendrick Brothers from Georgia who are producing consistently good films. The Kendrick Brothers produced Flywheel and then Facing the Giants, Fearless, uh, sorry, Fireproof, which is my favorite personally, Courageous, uh, War Room, Overcomer, and most recently Life Mark, which is phenomenal. Now, these are good films, consistently good films from the Kendrick Brothers. And then in South Africa, we've got Franz Cronier, uh, who's South Africa's equivalent, who's been producing very good films from Faith Like Potatoes, Hansi, Born to Win, um, uh, the Raw, uh, he's made some very, very good films, well worth supporting Batelier. So, um, Franz Grenier's films in our country. And, of course, we're very grateful for Mel Gibson producing films like The Passion of the Christ and the uh, Apocalypto film, well worth supporting. And now we've got Sound of Freedom, which has come out recently, which is superb as well, exposing human trafficking. So, there's enough good films to support and uh, we should be very selective in what we choose to support. Every time we are purchasing a cinema ticket or a DVD, we're actually casting a vote. And we want to be sure we're voting for that, which is good. We want to reinforce and support what's good so we get more of it. And we want to disinvest in that, which is bad, so that we get less of that. Mm. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Hammond, for um, informing us about uh, the agendas at play and behind the media that we're absorbing. In closing, I'd like to read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Thank you very much for joining us for From the Frontline. God bless and good night. 